appeared before the Congressional Committee to tell what I knew of activities which might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. President Bush signed a formal agreement that will end the United States as we know it. And he took the step without approval from either the U.S. Congress or the people of the United States. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. It's known as the Bilderberg Group. Could their objective be world domination? I'm Jim Tucker. I've chased Bilderberg for 30 years. I'll never give up the chase. Bilderberg plan for the whole world is nothing less than world government. I'm not comfortable with that at all. Who elected these guys to run the planet? They are the elitist. They feel they should run the world for their own selfish interests. Now we can see a new world coming into view. A world in which there is the very real prospect of a new world order. Bilderberg is making great progress toward a world government and only an educated, informed public can stop them in their tracks. David Rockefeller admits in his own memoirs that he wants to destroy the United States. He's a traitor! It's good to be back at the Council on Foreign Relations. As uh, Pete mentioned, I've been a member for a long time and was actually a director for some period of time. I never mentioned that when I was campaigning for re-election back home in Wyoming. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. I need you to move off the property, please. Some shots were fired. There's Bilderbergers right there. The Trans-Texas Corridor is a vital part because we stop it here in Texas. We stop the new world order right here in Texas. This thing started here. And to save this country, we kill this damn thing here. States to carry out a phrase his father used, and that is a new world order. Your new world order will fall. Humanity will defeat you. The answer to 1984 is 1776. In the near future, Earth is dominated by a powerful world government. Once free nations are slaves to the will of a tiny elite, the dawn of a new dark age is upon mankind. Countries are a thing of the past. Every form of independence is under attack.
with the family and even the individual itself nearing extinction. Close to 80% of the Earth's population has been eliminated. The remnants of a once free humanity are forced to live within highly controlled, compact, prison-like cities. Travel is highly restricted. Superhighways connect the megacities and keep the population from entering into unauthorized zones. No human activity is private. AI supercomputers chronicle and categorize every action. A prison planet dominated by a ruthless gang of control freaks whose power can never be challenged. This is the vision of the global elite, their goal. A program of total dehumanization where the science of tyranny is law. A worldwide control grid designed to ensure the overlord's monopoly of power forever. Our species will be condemned to this nightmare future unless the masses are awakened to the New World Order master plan and mobilized to defeat it. Erected by a secretive group, the Georgia Guidestones are a testament to the elite's plan for a world religion, global laws, with a global court and army to enforce it. And set in stone, it is written that the population never rise above 500 million. In this film, you will learn how our world is truly governed. You will see how highly secretive roundtable groups interlock to form a global intelligence network. This group has been steering planetary affairs for hundreds of years. Now in the final stage, they prepare for open world government. A goal tyrants throughout history have lusted after. Dr. Michael Kaufman is a published ecologist specializing in ecosystem research. Forest ecology and ecosystem classification. Dr. Kaufman played a key role in blocking the ratification of the Convention on Biological Diversity in the U.S. Senate. The concept of a new world order has been around for centuries. It's been receiving tremendous play over the last half of the 20th century. Uh, George Bush, the first senior president, George Bush, used it a lot in his speeches and really implies that he really wants to see a order in which we have a universal or a global type of governance in which every human being on planet Earth is ultimately responsible to policies that are being formulated at the international level. It is a big idea, a new world order. President Bush uh, said that the new world order was uh, in, in, in tune and that's what they were working for. The UN is part of that government. They're working right now very significantly for a North American Union. That's why there's a lot of people in Washington that don't care too much about our borders. They have a philosophic belief that national sovereignty is not important. It's also the reason I have made very strong suggestion that we need not be in the United Nations for our national security. It's really always the same. You go back throughout all of history, the Roman Empire, the uh, Soviet Union, Hitler during the Nazism was always saying that it's going to create the utopia for the average person when in fact history always shows that it does exactly the opposite. Conquest and empire is as old as civilization. Babylon, Egypt and Greece. They all built empires in an attempt to rule the world. The Roman system at its peak 
dominated the known world. Complex governmental systems were developed to control diverse populations. During the period between the 15th and 19th century, new empires emerged and again waged war for supremacy. The nobility, as well as the thriving merchant class, were financed by a handful of private banks. Many of the great money houses would hedge their bets and finance both sides of a war. Sophisticated intelligence-gathering networks gave the financiers a clear edge over the governments they were slowly gaining control of. On the 18th of June, 1815, agents of the British arm of the Rothschild family looked on as Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte fought desperately to save his army from the jaws of a British-Prussian pincer attack. A Rothschild agent was able to get the news of Napoleon's defeat at the hands of Lord Wellington to Nathan Rothschild a full 20 hours before the news reached London. Nathan, the head of the British arm of the Rothschild family, put out the rumor to the London Stock Exchange that Napoleon had won the war. Stocks plunged by 98% and Rothschild was then able to buy up the entire British economy for pennies on the pound. When the news of Napoleon's defeat finally arrived, stocks soared. Britain was now the undisputed ruler of Europe, and Rothschild ruled England. The already dominant British Empire grew even more aggressive. Her troops and bureaucracy spread across the globe. The sun never set on Britannia's holdings. The banking cartel funded, in fact, since about 1800, they have funded both sides of almost every war. And of course, they're getting the interest off of the loans that they've given the various governments and the wars that they have actually helped stimulate and create. By 1900, Germany was a rising force and a leader of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, world War I, for instance, there was absolutely no reason to have World War I, except that it was an ideal opportunity for the banking cartel to make a pile of money by funding both sides of that particular war. On June 28, 1914, the heir to the Austrian-Hungrian throne, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, was assassinated while traveling in a motorcade. The Black Hand a Serbian secret society with connections to French and British intelligence took credit. World War I had begun. Armaments companies financed by Rothschild-controlled banks in Germany, France, England, and Austria bankrolled all the factions. At least 20 million were killed in the war. It was a conflict so terrible the people vowed to never fight again. They dubbed it the war to end all wars. 
question is, why did they want war? Well, first of all, is money and power. But secondly, they wanted to create the League of Nations. They had this in their plans all along, and as a consequence, once the war was over or about to be over, they began to formulate this idea of a League of Nations so this would never, ever happen again. Hundreds of years of practice made the British experts at hiding their empire behind puppet governments and councils. In the name of stopping all future conflicts, they proposed that countries would join a League of Nations. Their true intention was for the League to serve as a framework for world government. President Woodrow Wilson, who had spearheaded the establishment of the private Federal Reserve System in the United States in 1913, strongly supported the establishment of the League of Nations. Woodrow Wilson was a very naive president. He was basically a college professor that was grafted into this whole system. The League convened in Paris in 1919, but many nations recognized it as a threat to their sovereignty and refused to join. Frustrated by the U.S. Congress blocking the League of Nations, British intelligence, with the help of the Rockefeller family, set up the Council on Foreign Relations in New York City in 1921. The Council recruited the best and brightest of American life to support the growth of the Anglo-American Empire. The CFR's stated mission is to abolish all nation-states in favor of an all-powerful world government administered by a tiny elite. By 1930, the promoters of world government had split into two interlocking camps. The Fabian Socialists centered in London and the Fascist based in Italy and Germany. National Socialism will use its own revolution for establishing a new world order, Adolf Hitler. Supporters of the fascist in the United States and England believed that the military should be used to quickly transform the world into a new world order. All the more sophisticated practitioners of globalism stated that incrementalism was the sure path to world domination. Congressional Medal of Honor winner Major General Smedley Butler went public in 1934 exposing an attempt by the robber barons to launch a military overthrow of the United States. The war hero testified to the McCormick-Dickstein Committee in Congress that some of the most powerful men in America had tried to recruit him to lead a military coup so they could set up National Socialism in the United States. I appeared before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. The fascist had also made deep inroads in England. Edward VIII, King of England, was forced to abdicate the throne because of his public support for Hitler. Though the German-led fascist camp was strong, the Fabian Socialist bloc was able to maintain control of the U.S., Russia, and England. 
build-up to World War II, and during the conflict, the bankers again financed both sides, just as they had done with Napoleon. Rise and fall the Third Reich, Europe lay in ruins. Once again, the elite claimed that only global governance could save humanity from certain destruction. And this time, the elite would succeed in setting up their world body. In April of 1945, at the Presidio Naval Base in San Francisco, the United Nations was founded by the victors of World War II. The United Nations complex was then built in New York City on land donated by John D. Rockefeller. Shortly after the elite established the United Nations as their base in the United States, the newly formed World Council quickly began work on the next phase in their plan, the incremental formation of continental superstates. The first step in their trilateral plan was the creation of the European Union. Unifying Europe had been tried many times and was extremely unpopular. Where Napoleon and Hitler had failed to accomplish their goals using force, the globalists would succeed using stealth. The British spearheaded the formation of the Council of Europe on May 5, 1949. The Treaty of London claimed to only establish trade ties between European nations, like NAFTA or GATT in North America. Its true intention was the formation of a European superstate. In 1954, the elite of the planet met in secret at the Bilderberg Hotel in Oosterbeck, Holland. The Bilderberg Group would later admit that their mission was the formation of the EU. Once the EU was established, under the guise of trade deals, a North American Union and Asian Union would be formed. The three interlocking superstates form the core of the global government while the United Nations would serve as a world regulatory and enforcement body over the Third World subregions. The Bilderberg Group consists of the heads of all of the managing roundtable groups that steer individual countries. Picture the elite power structure of the world as a giant pyramid, with only the elite of the elite at the tip-top of the capstone. The group has been so secretive that until the mid-1980s, the controlled corporate media denied its existence. Into the late 1990s, coverage only consisted of rare one-line mentions. With the rise of the alternative media, their stranglehold on information has begun to slip. 
On the outskirts of the national capital today, black limousines with darkened windows converged on a hotel where private security guards imposed ironclad control. The limos carried royalty, political power brokers, and industrial titans to a secret meeting that will last all weekend. It's known as the Bilderberg Group. Could their objective be world domination? Every four years, Bilderberg meets in North America. And in June of 2006, we decided to travel to Ottawa, the capital of Canada. The site of Bilderberg. In Bilderberg's long history, many reporters attempting to cover the group have been harassed, detained, and even jailed. I jokingly reassured my cameramen that the horror stories we'd read about were probably exaggerated. I was wrong. We know reporters get detained at airports. People aren't let in. We know people get uh, uh, you know, sent to the jailhouse for three or four hours. It happens every time. Well, it happened to Alex Jones this time. They admitted Bilderberg that they've had pressure put on them by the government uh, to heighten security and that that's why all this happened. Yes, I was told that by two separate people. They scoured our records for hours yesterday and hours today, trying to find something on us. And of course, there was nothing. It was just scary. I mean, I've, again, I've been all over the world, and I've never seen anything like this. It was like hours of humiliation. And they said, what are you here for? And I said, well, I'm here to you know, cover the media, covering a political event. I hope to talk to some members of parliament. I was answering all the questions. It was clear I wasn't a threat. It was clear I didn't have any criminal record. It was clear I was press. It was clear I was coming to interview people. They were going to deny me. They told me earlier that, 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 that I was probably going to be denied. And then you guys showed up and everything changed. So what's your plan now? My plan is to go out and try to interview Jim Tucker, try to go down to the Bilderberg group and maybe catch some of them still arriving and try to still make a documentary. They're debating the attack on Iran. They're talking about how to take out Hugo Chavez. They're talking about how to get their American Union in that destroys Canadian, U.S., and Mexican sovereignty. So we're talking about the death of Canada is what's happening in there right now. The death of your sovereignty is happening in there right now. CNN has even reported that these individuals have put out the policy reports through the Council on Foreign Relations that writes their scholarly white papers to end the United States, to end Canada, and to end Mexico. About 10 have come in. They've been coming in slowly uh, in typically big black cars with what appears to be bulletproof glass. And we've got a few pictures of some of the people. Uh, we're being kept well back from the building by an awful lot of uh, security people. But, you know, there'll be more security as this thing develops. 
Again, just a reminder to stay off the front, okay? I am, I am. Th you. This is the line. We check with the city. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I came here from uh, upstate New York. I booked a room way in advance. When I checked in at 10 o'clock at night, they told me I had to be out at 8.30 in the morning. And so, of course, I complied to what they wanted. I wasn't happy about it because I had been tired. I drove quite a long way. Then I uh, went down to uh, have something to eat. And I just saw a bunch of security here, and I was wondering what was going on, and I asked questions. And uh, they said they were having a wedding or they were having some sort of reception. So I decided uh, to ask a couple more questions because I thought it was kind of weird. And then I saw them uh, from my hotel window. They were in the back with flashlights looking at the trees, looking up the, through the trees. And they were also in front of the hotel, uh, combing. It looked like combing the hotel. So I kind of got was wondering what was going on and I left. Uh, I got up this morning, uh, I checked out, and then the, the fellow that I spoke with, the last fellow I spoke with said, well, you'll know all about it in, in the newspaper. Well, I didn't have to wait because there was a group of people out here telling me everything that was going on. They're not fooling anybody any, any longer when you've got this many cops, you know, and detaining Alex Jones at the border. Get them on both sides. Yeah, you crook. Yeah, you're gonna go to jail like Ken Lay. Oh yeah, there's one right there. Hi. Hey, we're not your property. We're not your slaves. We're gonna defeat the New World Order. The New World Order is gonna be defeated. You realize that? I'm glad you do. Always does throughout history. Davignon is the honorary chairman of the Bilderberg Group, as well as the head of its steering committee. The committee he heads selects and invites each year's attendees. In the last decade, the list of attendees has been leaked to reporters by moles on the inside. Veteran newspaper reporter Jim Tucker has been covering the Bilderberg meetings for over 30 years and has physically attended more than 20. We traveled back to our hotel to see if Jim Tucker received the 2006 list. First heard about Bilderberg in 1975, and I said, I don't believe it. That's not possible. Who in, who in hell's Bilderberg? I spent 20 happy years with metropolitan newspapers. All the wires are clicking at my ear. That could not happen without me knowing about it. And the thing that first impressed me most was calls in 1957 by the late, great Westbrook Pegler, widely syndicated columnist. He wrote two lengthy columns about how approximately 100 leaders of international finance, heads of state, high public officials were meeting behind armed guards to close 
doors on Jekyll Island sealed off. What are these powerful internationalists doing? And why is it so secret? Why does it have armed guards outside? Why is it sealed off? The newspapers totally ignore it. Not a word. Total blackout in the United States. Since then, I've never stopped pursuing Bilderberg or the whole international gangster organization led by Rockefellers and Rothschilds as they manipulate the world for their own selfish interest. Jim, you've been waiting on the list. You normally get it on the first day. You haven't gotten it. We're told it might come in today. How important is that list? It's absolutely essential, although identifying people outside, as we always do, is important too, to find out who is not on their own list. In recent years, someone from Europe has uh, sent the, a machine copy with a letterhead and so forth without identifying himself. So far, I haven't heard from him. Well, Bilderberg assumed that name in 1954 at their first meeting as Bilderberg at the Bilderberg Hotel. It's a little bit like Shakespeare's As You Like It. They say to Shakespeare, what do you want to call this book? And he says, As You Like It, meaning whatever you want to call it. And they thought it was dictation, so one of the, uh, his plays is called As You Like It, and the title has nothing to do with the play. So that's how the Bilderberg came by their name. Now, they had been meeting for half a century, the moneyed class had been meeting. But they decided they have to meet systematically every year, uh, well planned in advance, in, uh, in addition to maybe uh, other smaller meetings throughout the year. Sure this is the right turn, Jim? No. Let's see if it starts. This is the global government. They are setting the world agenda. Inside right now, they're deciding on whether or not there will be a war with Iran. They're deciding whether or not taxes will increase, whether oil prices will be suppressed or increased. There are, uh, there's much more on the agenda that we'll be finding out in the fullness of time. But those are three items that are heavy on their list this year. This is Jim Tucker, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes. 27 years covering these crooks. Mr. Tucker, God bless pleasure you, to meet you. The media said he was crazy and didn't exist. You. Now we forced him. 120 of the world's most powerful men, heads of state from Europe, high officials, of the United States government, Treasury, White House, state, defense. They're setting the world agenda now. The reason they want secrecy is because they're doing evil. Evil is done under the cover of darkness. Good works are done in the sunshine. Hi, how you doing? Good. Can you get off the property, please? Well, well, property. Jim, Jim has some questions for you. I need you to move off the property, please. Okay. Private well, property. Sure. Uh, it's a public sidewalk. Oh, yeah, we are cooperating. Thank you. Right onto the sidewalk. Yeah, there's no implication yeah. that we aren't uh, cooperating. Right onto the sidewalk. Can okay. stay there, please? Sure, yeah, thank you. Great. Uh, Jim, Jim has some questions for you. Again, I need you to stay right on the sidewalk. Yeah. Thank you very much. We actually checked with the city. The property line's actually right here. Also? That's good. Property line's actually right here.
We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. David Rockefeller. We saw David Rockefeller and uh, the car in black at the, uh, beyond the hotel, and they have no, had no bodyguards. One of my friends shouted, hey, Rockefeller, and he turned back, uh, and he uh, was uh, afraid. <laughs> my name is Rene. I'm from uh, Manitoba. Drove about 26 hours to get here. Uh, just to show my, uh, that I'm against the Bilderbergers, just to fight for my freedoms, fight for my rights, uh, make sure that my children can grow up uh, in a free country. My name is Daniel Estula and uh, I've been uh, doing this for the last 15 years. Uh, I'm from Canada, I'm very proud of my country because uh, as you can see there are a lot of people covering the Bilderberg conference. Last year uh, it took me 14 and a half hours to get to uh, Munich. I was pulled off the plane in Milan, I was pulled off the plane in Munich, they interrogated me four hours in both places. I was able to call a friend, a journalist in, uh, in Rome as a result of his presence and others calling the foreign ministry department in Italy. They backed off and they let me go. They basically told me that they were keeping an eye on me 24 hours of the day. Uh, the little hotel where we were staying at, Jim and I, out of the 20 rooms, six were occupied, three by the CIA and three by the uh, German Secret Service. Uh, that's how serious these people are and that's how afraid they are of actually what we may be able to reveal and what we actually do reveal publicly about the Bilderberger intents. Daniel Estelin has covered the Bilderberg meetings in Europe and North America for more than 15 years. His book, Club Bilderberg, has been translated into more than 20 languages and is a global bestseller. Estelin has photographed many past Bilderberg meetings. Rockefeller frontman Henry Kissinger is always a key participant. Here you see the president of the CFR, Richard N. Haas, followed by vice chairman of Rothschild Europe, Franco Barnaby, who is speaking with Henry Kravitz. And behind them is Richard Holbrook, former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. The head of Daimler Chrysler, Jürgen Erich Schrimp, arrives by helicopter. Here, the owner of the Washington Post, Donald Graham, escorts Indra Nui, the head of PepsiCo. Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands, whose father, Prince Bernhard, founded Bilderberg, is a leading figure in the group. Of course, globalist kingpin David Rockefeller, seen here with his bodyguard, James Ford, always attends. The then newly appointed World Bank chief, Paul Wolfowitz, is photographed at Bilderberg 2005. It has been reported that Wolfowitz had attended previous meetings, while still the Deputy Secretary of Defense, a violation of the Logan Act. Under the Logan Act, it is a felony offense for any member of the federal or state government to meet with members of a foreign government without the express authority and authorization of the President or Congress. Put simply, it is illegal for members of the government to meet secretly behind closed doors with foreign power brokers due to the problems of corruption and espionage that it breeds. For this reason, many prominent politicians attend, but their names do not appear on the official list. Despite the Logan Act, the governor of New York's name, George Pataki, does appear on the list, and we were able to catch the governor on tape walking with David Rockefeller at Brook Street. 
multiple staff members inside Brook Street reported to us that Hillary Clinton attended for half a day. Several armored limos with diplomatic plates did arrive with police escorts and offloaded their passengers in the underground parking garage out of the sight of the press. Former World Bank President James Wolftonson sardonically stared at our cameras. They're upset about the fact that they're being exposed. Well, I'm sure they are. I mean, look at the tinted windows. They, they don't want to be seen. They don't want even anybody to know they're here. So I'm sure they're ticked, you know, and that's why we're here to try to expose them. Do you think that they were angry that they were on the front page of the local paper today? You think they're in there reading it right now, Jim? Uh, yes, I don't think they're happy about it. They prefer nothing at all, no publicity. They pr prefer absolute secrecy. Yeah, you better look away. We're not your slaves. Did you get a list of the attendees and everything? Or not uh, no, I've asked for one under a slight variation of my name, and I don't know if I'll get it or not. Also, it could happen today. For the last three years, I get back to the hotel. And there's a copy there waiting for you. Well, you know, somebody who does not identify so, I mean, the, uh... I really, I'm not just not revealing the source. I don't know the source myself, uh, but a fact. Uh -huh because they want the Bilderberg letterhead on it and makes a nice memento. Perfect. Alex? Yeah? That's Chalabi, eh? You think Chalabi? No, 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 I don't think. I know. It looked like Chalabi, and it was a fat guy. Yeah! That was Ahmed Chalabi? Yeah. Oh, my God. Then they're really going to attack Iran. <laughs> Uh, over the last couple of years, they've been reeling with the amount of leakage that they've been experiencing, so it's getting harder and harder. But again, it will never get too hard for us because of the sources that we have inside are top-notch sources. People who are actually working for them, the Secret Service, the second layer, uh, people in the Bilderbergers, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the clerks, the, uh, the administrative office, they're there. They, you know, they are our eyes and ears, and uh, every time there's something out, we always get the information. That's uh, Francisco Pinto Valsamao. I think that's the queen. It's the queen. Yeah. Oh my god, you can't kiss her hair. You see her? Yes. Oh my god. What usually happens uh, the Secret Service guys who are protecting the, uh, the Billiburg delegates, uh, the staff, the cooks, the chefs, when they actually get to see and to hear what some of these uh, nasty people are talking about, uh, they're the first ones to look for us and the first ones to make sure that we get the information uh, from the meeting. We, uh, again, we're very rigorous with information that does come out. We double, triple and quadruple the uh, confirm the sources, make sure that all the information checks out. A lot of the stuff, the Billenbergers have planted information, make sure that you know this disinformation nullifies the, the, the accuracy of the reporting, which is why we never publish the first thing we hear.
That looks like Rockefeller. The decisions that these people take, again, they not only decisions affect business community, they affect uh, politics, business, environment across the entire spectrum. And these decisions are made and taken by a very elite group of people behind closed doors this year at the Brook Street Hotel. We are not privy to these decisions. We're not allowed to know what they're talking about. But we'll definitely feel the consequences of these decisions over the next 12 months when events which apparently by accident seem to happen in fact, have been planned right here this year at Brook Street Hotel between 8th and 11th of June. What does it do when you get 120 of the most powerful people in the world getting together to have meetings with government officials? I mean, that, that's amazing. Well, it is. This is what I mean, is that they're planning the corporate agenda. They're not uh, planning the uh, democratic human journey agenda, in my opinion. Mussolini had a definition, is when the interests of the corporation take completely over from all other interests, and that's fascism. He said it should probably be called corporatism. Well, call it corporatism, call it fascism, call it neo-lib, neo, -lib, neo There's a whole variety of political words, depending on which side of the stripe you come from, to start with, which describes the thing. But what they are describing is the complete end of democracy, the end of what matters to people, the end of what happens to the human journey. And for that reason, I think this is revolting. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here in Canada today to stand up against the Bilderberg Group that is attempting to get rid of the sovereignty of the United States. The truth of your world government has now been exposed. We know you are ruthless. We know you are evil. Today, the Rockefeller, to the Rothschild representatives here, to the Queen of the Netherlands, to all of you, we tell you, you are not our queens. You are not our kings. You are not our gods. We do not belong to you. We are not your slaves. We stand as free humans have stood since the beginning of time against the strong men, against the thugs, against the bullies. We will defeat your world government. We will defeat world taxation. We will defeat your control grid. God is on our side. I stand before the creator of the universe. And I ask the creator of the universe, as our founding fathers did in 1776, to lead God and direct us and to give us the power and the foresight and the understanding and the will to stand against your entire agenda, including your final plan of world population reduction of 80% that Henry Kissinger penned in 1973. Why do you put mercury in the vaccines, stannous sodium fluoride in the water? Why? Why do you put cancer viruses in the vaccines? Why have you used depleted uranium now in four separate nations? You're arrogant. You have the sickness that elites have had throughout history in their literal and, in some cases, figurative ivory towers. You believe that you're invincible. You will and you are failing now. Your new world order will fall. Humanity will defeat you. The answer to 1984 is 1776. <laughs> Bilderberg is an elite organization and the way it works, the, the, the protocol of the meetings is the staff, after they're vetted out, they're told exactly how they're supposed to uh, behave themselves, meaning that they can never address the attendees, they can never speak to them unless they're spoken to first, they can never look them in the eye. They have to approach them from the right side, the people who are right-handed, and from the left side, the people who are left-handed. They can never look them straight on.
and uh, needless to say all the information that is being spoken and during the conferences is under no circumstances allowed to come out that's what they're told they're threatened with not being able to find another job anywhere in the sector if they reveal any information to the press Richard Holbrook Ambassador Richard Holbrook thought the peasantry wouldn't recognize him if he took a stroll off the grounds of Brook Street. Holbrook cackled when I told him that we were not his slaves. Holbrook, we're not your slaves, Holbrook. We're not your slaves. We're not your property! Get back on the sidewalk! We're free humanity! Yeah, there he goes. Okay, we're going to be going around the back here, guys. Hey, guys, how you doing? There are several rings of security service. The American delegation at every Bilderberg meeting is usually protected by the CIA and a special division of the U.S. Army. The British delegation is protected by the MI6. Israelis usually are protected by the Mossad. The Ottawa police, in this case, working for the security, they uh, have very little, actually they don't have any information at all about what the meeting is about. They don't even know who the Bilderbergs are. Then there is a, uh, an elite uh, uh, private firm protecting the perimeter, doing all the dirty work, such as shooing out the photographers and, and, and bothering uh, the protesters. But, you know, that's like piddly stuff. All the heavy stuff is done by the security service, such as the CIA, MI6. Some years ago, my legs were a little bit stronger than they are now, and I crept over a fence under cover of darkness and uh, approached. Uh, the cops started uh, yelling and pointing at me, so I uh, ran with speed I didn't know I still had. And some shots were fired, but they were far above my head. I mean, they were intimidating, but they were not really trying to kill me. Not when sharpshooters sharp are fired far above, 20 feet above your head. Bilderberg was founded by David Rockefeller and the Rothschilds in Britain and Europe. Uh, they're still uh, the main powers. Baron Evelyn de Rothschild, a male, uh, attended for many years. Rothschild is still represented. You'll see them on the list of participants. Somebody representing the Rothschild group. They are the main powers uh, behind Bilderberg. Dutch World Shell is part of the Queen's uh, fortune. Uh, of course, the Rockefellers have, have always had heavy oil interests. That was the original source of, the, of uh, their old money, of the old man. Jim just got the official Bilderberg letterhead list from his mole inside the Bilderberg group. Let's go look at it.
So, Jim, you got the list. Yeah. Uh, did we identify Wolf as being here because he's not on the list? No, we positively identified uh, Wolfenson. Yeah, he's on the list. Uh, yeah, there's Wolfenson right there, James yep. Wolfenson. But aren't there always people who aren't listed? Yep. Over the years, we've identified like sometimes one, sometimes three people who are not on their own list who uh, have attended. Now, I think what is very difficult for most people to understand is how such a small group of 125 men and a few women control a population base of 6 billion people. Actually, it's much easier than you think. These people work on what I call a systemic methodology, meaning that you take a pie, just imagine you take an apple pie and you slice this apple pie into lots of very small pieces, and you put in front of each one of these pieces your men or women of trust, and by controlling this individual, you control an entire organization. For example, if you take Paul Wolfowitz, who runs the, uh, the World Bank, uh, through him you can control the entire organization. You don't need to control what the dishwasher or the toilet cleaner thinks or does or believes in. You just need to control what he does and what he believes in. And what he does will permeate the entire organization. And that's how you control with a very, very small power base an entire global population of, of 6 billion people. Bilderberg is making great progress toward a world government. They have uh, created a super state in Europe called the European Union. They're intent on creating a Western Hemisphere Union called the American Union. NAFTA is to be expanded into every country in this hemisphere. As NAFTA expands, it will take on the role of the American Union. And only an educated, informed public can stop them in their tracks. We went into downtown Ottawa and talked to locals to learn if they were aware of the elite meeting in their city. Hey guys, attention just for a second. I just need to tell you that a group just met here in Canada and they're trying to get rid of your sovereignty, merging you with the U.S. and Mexico. See, it's not funny, I'm serious. And your news isn't going to tell you about this. This is deadly serious, so I'm just letting you know and I'm telling you about it. As they say, they are the guys that run the world. They make the decisions for we and we just carry it out. Sir, did you hear about the Bilderberg Group meeting here in town? The 120 most elite people in the world? No. Hey, do you know that the elites meeting here in town right now? Have you heard about it? The 120 crime bosses? None of you heard of it. None of you guys have heard of the Bilderberg Group? They're meeting right now. In the city, around 10% of the people were aware of the New World Order agenda. When we traveled to Parliament, close to half of the people we randomly spoke to were informed. Ma'am, what did you say about the American Union? It's, it's going to end up happening. We don't want it, but it's going to happen. <laughs> what do you think? Because the Bilderberg Group runs the world. You have the Trilateral Commission that's also part of the Bilderberg, which is the uh, United States, Europe, and Asia. But most of this is public knowledge. Nobody wants to believe that there are conspiracies, uh, that yeah. world leaders are already elected before they're voted on. Uh, so here we know that Bernard Lord uh, is part of the outer circle. Um, I, I was surprised to read that uh, Harper addressed the group in 2003 uh, because my understanding was nobody gets into politics without becoming uh, part of the Bilderberg group. 
and then you find out afterwards that that is the case that they had. Well, yeah, well, Bill Clinton went there in 91, George Bush Sr. back in like 85. And Blair, same thing. Who we think that we're electing as leaders are, have already been pre-picked for us. Whether it's liberal or a conservative, they're already part of the group. Uh, they own all the horses in the race. They own the horses, and I understand that, for example, in the United States, it's a one-party system with two factions. Uh, though you think it's it's two different uh, parties. Oh, it is, yeah. So it's like Bill Clinton constantly vacations with the Bushes, and they call him their son, and they actually staged all that in '92, and all that's come out. It's just all staged. They're not going to let trillions of dollars slip through their hands. The good news is people are waking up, though. When you read human history, when you study it, all all you see is elites trying to dominate, subterfuge, Machiavellian backstabbing, and somehow in the last 50 years they convinced Westerners that the government's fine, can do no wrong, trust them. How did this happen? <laughs> it's easy to lead sheep. I mean, people just follow. They don't want to believe these things will happen. No way. We'll just follow along with the norm. That's all. It's just an makes it easier for everyone. What's your view on losing Canada's sovereignty? I like this country to stay as it is, and I love the United States to be there. Back in Austin, the capital of Texas, the public was frighteningly unaware of the nation's peril. Have you heard about the North American Union? Um, not really, no. I don't watch TV. No, I haven't. Interesting. I was not aware of that. I don't, I don't know exactly what you mean, so... Um, I don't think there's going to be a merger of the three nations. No, I have not. Uh, no. Uh, no, I, I didn't know. know this was happening, so... <laughs> no. Yes, I have. I have oh, you have heard about it? Yes. Yeah. After that big rally today, I don't know about it? I don't know about anything. No, I have not. Have you heard of the European Union? I have, yes. <laughs> Are you aware of the European Union? Oh, yeah, of course. Have you heard about the European Union? Heard about them. Do you know about the European Union? No. Europe, 15 member group expanding. A what? 15 nations of Europe merging in 2000. Whatever. <laughs> For over 50 years, the Bilderberg Group constructed the European Union by stealth under the guise of trade deals. Now the elite are using the same secretive program to complete the North American Union. But this time, superstate integration is on the extreme fast track. International agreements like NAFTA, GATT, and APEC were just stepping stones in the formation of the NAU. The North American Union was officially born at Baylor University in Waco, Texas on March 23, 2005. The leaders of the United States, Mexico, and Canada told the press that they were only meeting to discuss trade. It soon leaked that a secret meeting had been held during the Security and Prosperity Trilateral Summit. The three governments had refused to release the secret agreement to the people. In September of 2006, their treasonous operation was blown wide open. From September 12th to September 14th in Banff, Canada, hundreds of elected and appointed government leaders from Canada, Mexico, and the United States met in secret. On the last day of the conference, someone inside the secret North American Union forum leaked the agenda. The front pages of newspapers across Canada carried the story. The Judicial Watch Foundation submitted Freedom of Information Act requests to obtain the full agenda and minutes of the secret assembly. 
Many federal agencies refused, citing national security. The foundation finally succeeded and did receive thousands of pages of documents. The documents marked unclassified are the blueprints of a shadow government ruling by bureaucratic and executive fiat. The pages chronicle an already operating North American Union. Transportation, law enforcement, agriculture, regulation, banking, manufacturing, construction, education, immigration, and even the military are being merged with no input from the people or their elected representatives in Congress and Parliament. One of the first items on their agenda was to stress how important it was that their plan, quote, be carried out by stealth. The controllers also talked about exploiting the public's fears of climate change to push a continent-wide tax to fund the new government. Globalist tool Robert Pastor is incessantly paraded on the world stage as the man behind the North American merger. When he testified before Congress, he pushed the idea of a continental security perimeter that erases national boundaries and merges the security apparatus. The best way to secure the United States today is not at our two borders with Mexico and Canada, but at the borders of North America as a whole. In fact, the North American Command, based in Colorado Springs, Colorado, was clearly running the meeting in Canada. For the past decade, the Pentagon has been training with Mexican and Canadian forces and has openly discussed using them inside the United States for disasters and to quell domestic unrest. There are already over 100,000 non-U.S. citizens serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. The Pentagon is now expanding its recruiting centers in Mexico, the Philippines, and Eastern Europe. Big city police departments nationwide are lobbying to change laws so they can recruit non-citizens to join the police force. What we are witnessing is a Red Dawn scenario in slow motion. Tyrants throughout history have brought in foreigners to oppress their domestic populations. When their coup by stealth was exposed, the three governments went into damage control mode. The Security and Prosperity Partnership quickly staged a show summit that was held in Ottawa, Canada in February of 2007. It is the only way that we can achieve security and prosperity for our people is through this cooperation. We uh, actually occupy one physical space, the uh, North America. We've also had a chance as foreign ministers to talk about how we cooperate uh, in the region and indeed in the world. Protesters who were upset about losing their countries and freedoms were not tolerated. A couple of weeks ago, an Al-Qaeda supposed Whatsoever, the Security and Prosperity Partnership has been Globalist publications have been open with their frustration that the population has not bought their latest PR stunt. As integration inside the European and American unions accelerates, the superstates themselves are being merged. On April 30th, 2007, a summit was held at the White House. The Security and Prosperity Partnership's secretive approach had alarmed the public. So this time, President Bush, German Chancellor Merkel, and EU Commission President Barroso hid their treachery in plain sight. Thank the Chancellor and Josie very much for 
uh, the transatlantic economic integration plan. Well, and for that too, we need to develop a common market, common standards. So this is indeed a very important agreement, and an agreement that also brings with it a transatlantic economic council to be a permanent body with senior people on both sides of the Atlantic that will look at all those issues in a concrete manner in which way we can make it move forward. The BBC reported that the US and EU had agreed on a single market. By announcing a new economic community integration, they were simply repeating what had been done in America and the EU on a larger scale. The accord states that the two blocs will aggressively push regulatory convergence in more than 35 areas, from financial services, intellectual property, military, education, mergers and acquisitions. They also agreed to jointly push a global carbon tax. We recognize that we have a problem with greenhouse gases. We agree there is a global threat, it's a serious threat. We agree there is the need to establish a limit to greenhouse gases. We need to discuss the possible pricing of uh, uh, CO2. Um, how can we translate this into a market economic compatible scheme? We have agreed to establish a high level group, a forum, this EU-US result is translated into the G8, uh, debated together with the outreach countries, China, um, South Africa, Brazil, among others, and India. A global solution to a global problem. If Bilderberg succeeds, America falls. All the victimized countries lose their sovereignty. Bilderberg is not a person, it's not an, it's not an idea, it's an ideal, a very powerful group of people working together and from the positions of ultimate and absolute power, destroying every constitution on earth, no matter how powerful the constitution of the nation is, that's what these people do. The African Union arose out of the African economic community, shut up in the early 1980s. The African Union is financed by a consortium of international bodies, governments, and corporations. The African Union Army serves as an enforcement arm for the New World Order's exploitation of Africa. In Asia, APEC and ASEAN have announced plans to form the Asian Union, consisting of Asian and Pacific nations having more than three billion people within its borders. APEC will become the Asian Pacific Union and the world is to be divided into three great regions for the administrative convenience of the world government in which the UN is to evolve. As the unions form individually, they are simultaneously merged to form the first planetary government. They're trying to destroy every nation on earth which is trying to promote progress because these people basically they are landowners. Uh, they don't need progress because they control the land. If you take uh, the most powerful man in London, uh, the people who belong to the, uh, to the council and the committee of 300, who belong to the Billiburgers, you know, the British royalty, the Guelphs, the, the, you know, the black nobility of Venice and Genoa, these people, uh, they are landowners. The New World Order is the Old World Order. I mean, it's just the names have changed, the appearances have changed, but the concept hasn't changed. The idea is still to bring the men back, kicking and screaming back to the Middle Ages, post-industrial age world order. One of the things that is very shocking to most Americans is the fact that the United Nations Global Biodiversity Assessment, which came out in 1995, clearly shows that in order to protect planet Earth, we have to go back to a feudal system. They actually said that in the document. To craft a modern feudal society, 
the globalists are implementing a standardized North American Union ID card to track, trace, and control their serfs as they travel throughout the three regions of the NAU. Building on the massive displacement of humanity caused by globalization, the New World Order is rapidly constructing the physical infrastructure of the North American Union, the NAFTA Superhighway Control Grid. I'm Arthur Peterson, Colonel Retired, the Army. I see things today that are happening that would make my friend who died in World War II turned over in their grave. To think that people would even consider confiscating land of farmers and ranchers and taking their homes away from them, to turn it over to a foreign company in Spain which was controlled by Don Carlos, I understand, a notorious socialist, and they get the tolls on Texas land for 50 years. The proposed Trans-Texas Corridor would be a patchwork of superhighways and railroads stretching 4,000 miles from the border of Mexico, cutting through Texas to Oklahoma. A lease has been signed that would make Texas Highway 121 a toll road. A private Spanish company won the bid to build and collect the tolls for the next 50 years. These deals with private companies are being negotiated largely in secret. And many state lawmakers are worried taxpayers are being sold down the road. Critics say it's a threat to our national security. It's part of a plan for a North American integration being carried out by government and corporate elites without congressional or voter approval. We took to the air over central Texas to get a bird's eye view of the Trans-Texas Corridor, which is under construction and will form the heart of the Trans-NAFTA superhighway system. History repeats itself. 2,000 years ago, all roads led to Rome. Rome constructed and maintained more than 10,000 miles of roads throughout its empire. The roads were used to project Roman military power, to control commerce, and to bind the nations and peoples they ruled. Rome also demanded tribute. Roman subjects from Albion to Judea were forced to pay a tax to use the roads. The Romans would then use the tax to dominate their subjects. Today's superhighways are a powerful tool in the globalist arsenal. They are instrumental in tearing down national borders and merging nation-states into larger confederations. Foreign governments and corporations are predatorily seizing infrastructure across North America. But nowhere has their attack been greater than in Texas. Texas is the front line. Over 8,000 miles of existing roads and land are being handed over to government-backed foreign companies. Foreign companies buy the legislators, who then turn over complete control to the same foreigners who finance their campaigns. Government power is then illegally transferred to unelected quasi-governmental regional boards that circumvent local governments and the will of the people. The next stage of this world government plan is to have a transportation control 
and that is called the NAFTA Superhighway, or in Texas called the Trans-Texas Corridor. It confiscates 584,000 acres of land to be transferred into a control of a Spanish company which will collect tolls in Texas for the next 50 years, and there's no limit in the amount of tolls that can be collected. More than 80 federal and state highways have been designated as international arteries. The I-35 NAFTA corridor starts deep inside Mexico and travels through the middle of the United States and ends in central Canada. Container ships from Asia dump their cargo on the Pacific side of Mexico. It then travels duty-free by rail to the new Kansas City inland port, now considered sovereign soil of Mexico, in the heart of the United States. Under international agreements, predominantly foreign companies are placing tolls on already existing paid-for roads. Federal, state, and corporate documents show that they will then use the revenue raised to build up the transportation infrastructure of Mexico, not the United States or Canada. So foreign-made products can pour in even faster from Mexico. Revenues raised will also be used to fund the fledgling North American Union and its growing bureaucracy. Bottom line, they're using our own money to enslave us. First of all, they're proposing a North American tribunal, which would be similar to what we have in Chapter 11 of the NAFTA agreement, which is trumped by international law. The U.S. Supreme Court and our Constitution could potentially be rendered invalid, and what we would have is new North American business law that would trump what we have here in the United States. What is also interesting to note that the NAFTA headquarters is in Mexico and controls the United States trade and rules against the United States Congress and no one seems to challenge it. It's very probable and probably inevitable that our right to bear arms would be challenged in a North American court. So this is just an example of what's happening and what's being proposed. We want to keep our trial by jury system. We want to keep our right to keep and bear arms. We want a system where we have a Supreme Court and not have a tribunal that uh, will be superior to the Supreme Court. In 2005, Centra, a Spanish-owned company, signed a secret agreement with the Texas Department of Transportation to erect toll roads on existing roads and to toll new roads that were completely paid for by tax dollars. There are people, believe it or not, in Texas who don't know what the Trans-Texas Corridor is. TTC 69, which they'll have the environmental hearing starting this spring on, runs through my part of the state. And there are people over there who have no idea what's fixing to come in their backyard. TexDOT, an unelected state agency, claimed that the agreement with the foreign company was even secret from the Texas legislature. When the truth came out, newspapers across the state called for heads to roll politically. Centra's response was to have its Australian subsidiary make its first U.S. newspaper buy. Every newspaper they bought was along branches of the Trans-Texas Corridor and had been critical of the toll road plan. The cost of 40 or 50 newspapers is nothing compared to the profits that'll be made. Just phase one alone of the state toll road plan is estimated to raise more than $200 billion in just the first 15 years. And Texas is only a small part of the global panorama. A combine of transnational companies is aggressively consolidating public finance infrastructure worldwide. 
and the same interest are erecting a world government according to their rules. A literal wonderland of corporate corruption where governments simply act as vacuum cleaners, sucking up the wealth and resources of the middle class and transferring it to offshore bank accounts, leaving behind a cultural and economic wasteland of easily managed slaves. The whole purpose of that the North American Free Trade Agreement is not about trade, it's about control. Control of people. Cash is even worse. Control of people. It's not about trade, it's subsidized trade with taxpayers' funds. This thing started here. Right. Yeah, right. And to save this country,